It's This Week in Bourbon and goodbye to 2023. Here's your headlines for December 29th, 2023. Marianne Eves is now suing Castle and Key. Artie One Spirits in Lexington has announced their plans to build a new location. And we're going to take a look back on our 2023 accomplishments. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's This Week in Bourbon. And of course, we got here Kenny and Ryan. And Brian. And Brian. Hello, everyone. So what do you think, Brian? Yes, I'm so <laughs> glad to think. No, it's one of those things. It's like we've we've been in this space now for a little bit at our, our distillery. And every single time we're getting ready to record these, I, I go over and I'm like, hey, Brian, you going to join us? And he's like, sure, why not? Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for them to, to, to just uh, j- let me join Bourbon Pursuit. Why don't you guys message in if you think that I should officially join Bourbon Pursuit or not? But yeah. You know, at some point we need to look for an exit strategy. I don't know what it is, but maybe, no, no, maybe no, it is, maybe it is Brian. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> Brian, you want to buy this? <laughs> Welcome to Bourbon Pursuit. This is, this is Brian. Be you and Fred. <laughs> Here you go. No, I mean, but that's one of those things that it's uh, it's always fun to kind of think of of what's been coming in this past year. And at, towards the end of this program, we'll kind of just do a little bit of rehash and kind of looked at that. Like, what did we do well in 2023 and kind of just a little look towards 2024 and, and whatnot. I, I haven't really had a good chance to put together, you know, predictions that'll come at a later roundtable. But just in regards of us personally and professionally and what this podcast has done. I'm excited to kind of look at that as well. 
Yep. Kenny loves talking about accomplishments. Well, <laughs> it's it's a it's a debrief, if you will, to just kind of I mean, how that's that's the thing is we get stuck so that's much true. in like what we're doing every single day. And we feel that we're always grinding and we're never reaching anything. We're never accomplishing anything. But in fact, we are actually accomplishing a lot. So it's just yeah. hard to kind of it's look good to reflect yeah. on the things that went well. Exactly. I like it. And see, and it's always good to be able to have our 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 fans that actually write in, they're like, hey, I love the podcast. Can't wait to come see you all and all this other kind of stuff. So it's like there's a lot of cool things that are happening. We just have to take the small wins when we see them. That's right. They are small. Yes. No, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So last kind of update that I do have is that I will be doing a TikTok live on January 3rd with Kevin over at Bourbon Notes. So if you want to go and get yourself a bottle of Percy United Bourbon, Percy United Rye, we will be going through all of them. And I actually, I actually did a little bit extra. I sent him an entire breakdown because I said, how cool would it be to give people an, an idea of like, what are some of the experiences that we're doing here at the distillery? So I sent him all the individual components so we can go through all those on the TikTok live as well. And we can be able to give people a sensation of what it would be like to actually do an experience here at the distillery. Yep. You actually to... sent him a trailer with a thieve and eight barrels. So <laughs> yeah, he's go. uh, he's going to have him get in the trailer and do a barrel pick <laughs> at the same time. He's got to be on his own, though, for that one. Yeah. But it is cool because a lot of people think when you're sourcing or whatever, you're just throwing whiskey in a bottle, blah, blah, blah. And so the United Breakdown is a cool experience to showcase folks why we intentionally went the route of doing different states, different mash bills to create a an awesome and exciting Bold flavor whiskey for for fans. I'm glad you feel that way because I feel yeah. that way too. Yep. So I'm going to start this one off on a little bit of a somber note. So first is that Anthony Diaz Blue, he's also known as Andy to those that know him the best. He passed away peacefully back on Monday, December 25th, back on Christmas Day. And he would go on to actually the one that started the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, known to this day as probably the most important, respected, and prestigious of their kind in the world. If you want to know more about Andy and some of the accomplishments that he made, we actually had him back on the podcast on episode 144. Yeah, you hate to hear that, especially on Christmas Day, but definitely rest in peace, prayers for Andy and his family. Such a great accomplishment with the San Francisco Wine Spirits. I mean, it is the gold standard in competitions. So, uh, you know, very awesome thing he created, and I hate to hear the, the loss of him. Yeah, very true, very true. But like I said, that's one of those things that, you know, as this podcast has, has grown, we've had a lot of great people on the show, and I'm just glad we've been there to be able to capture those stories behind the people that have been very influential inside this industry. So if you wanted to know more about the start of that particular competition, why competitions are important. Like those are the things that we asked them way back again on episode 144, which by now has been a long, long time ago. It has way too long. It has been like too long. All right. So moving on, our first big headline is that Marion Eves is suing Castle and Key. So this is a, it's a little bit of a long one. So go ahead, guys, just take a Take it breather. Right, I'm gonna have quick. a pop tart with Brian. Yeah, go, go ahead, grab a pop tart. We got some some brown sugar cinnamon ones <laughs> over here, but you know a lot of this is build up for the actual 
case that is being brought against it. So in a new complaint that was filed back on December 22nd, Marion Eves is now suing for unequal treatment. So Peristyle LLC is the overarching company of Castle and Key, where members of her and others that claim that, you know, they built their brands through her reputation, through goodwill, and yet treated her differently than her male counterparts. This pattern of discriminatory behavior was created more of a, ho- a hostile work environment to the extent that Ease was disenfranchised from continued association with the organization as an employee and as an owner simply because she's a woman. The lawsuit claims that Peristyle didn't think the bourbon industry would approve of a female master distiller and that there was a misogynistic culture that men would not work hard for women and Peristyle's refusal to offer equal compensation to women who were also similarly situated to the male candidates. Eveswood also said that she would work extreme hours that were not expected of the male owners. Also, they encouraged her to not change her last name after her divorce. And that there was a, quote, brand lookbook that molded her appearance that wasn't expected of the male owners either. There was also unsolicited advice about her romantic partners and motherhood about being, quote, on brand. On November 15th of 2019, Eves and Peristyle entered into an agreement terminating Eves's membership in Peristyle because of the continued hostile work environment and the pattern of inappropriate and unwanted sexual discrimination and harassment was consistent throughout Eves's employment. Eves received a letter back on June 29th of 2021 in which Peristyle was exercising their rights to purchase Eves's shares. And Paris, sorry, and Peristyle offered Eves 50 cents per share of all of everything that she had, even though Peristyle, Arvin, Millville, and Crown Point, these are all different people that are accounted in the lawsuit, had offered Eves's male counterparts substantially more for their shares than with, within the, the prior three months. According to the operating agreement, the intellectual property that Eves initially invested in the Peristyle was estimated to be valued around $500,000. So on October 22nd, Eves through counsel received a letter from Peristyle's counsel dating June 29th, 2022, said that appraiser found that her fair market value of Eves' shares interest was $0. However, it goes on to say that this was a violation in the operation agreement. Eves is requesting compensatory damages in the amount of excess of $25,000, punitive damages in such an amount to be proven at trial, and to purchase Eves' interest under the same terms and conditions as others. So here's what to boil down from this one. She had $500,000 worth of, she had 500,000 shares of the company that was initially worth $500,000. Peristyle was only going to pay her 50 cents per share. So they were going to basically cut her in half and only give her $250,000 out at the end of this. And then they hired somebody as an outside consultant to look at it And they said, well, she didn't do anything. Her shares are worth zero dollars, right? So very interesting to see how one side looks at this. And I had talked to this with our other resident lawyer, Brian, and he goes, listen, there's a lot of good things that you see here that you're like, wow, how could they do this to her? But you don't know the other side of the argument yet either. Right. That's what I was going to say. This is all from one side. You know, I'm sure we'll see a rebuttal from the other side. Oh, absolutely. But you hate that it gets to these places and these, you know, arrangements and business dealings, especially within distilling. I mean, you read something there. I thought Castle and Key was very embracing of her being the female master distiller and, you know, the first. So I was kind of, kind of, I found that interesting, I guess, that they threw that in there. But, But 
we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. We had her on the show. We asked her, you know, a lot of things like how it is to be a, wim- a woman in the industry. What do you deal with? Because we don't, you know, understand or see. So there's just a lot of stuff that's going to get played out and revealed. Who knows? They may settle outside that nothing ever gets revealed. But you just hate that it gets to these because it's supposed to be a, you know, a very warm, embracing, fuzzy industry. And you hate when you see these types of lawsuits and allegations and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, when it's talking about like working extreme hours, it's like, you know, I think when we look at it for us as a, as our own company, I think that's one of the things that like, if you have equity stake in something like you work harder at it, like it's, it's your baby, right? Like so you part want, of the deal. Yeah. You, you just wanted to succeed. And whether you're a intellectual provider or whether you're a monetary provider, I think that's a, that's a big difference in the amount of hours that you're putting into it. Well, you know, this whole thing ever since she left has been a kind of a rumor mill of he said, she said this and that. And there's been all these stories kind of being created and circling around. So hopefully, you know, who knows if the truth will come out, but hopefully, you know, both sides will come to an agreement. And the answer is probably somewhere in the middle, as it is with all things. But who knows? But it is an unfortunate, you know, thing that we're dealing with this day and age and we shouldn't be so Hopefully something positive comes out of it and we can all move on and be a better industry for it. There we go. Well said, Ryan. Well said. So moving on, Algoma Capital, a lending arm of growth beverage, has closed a strategic transaction with Off Hours Bourbon. So Algoma Capital manages around a $100 million fund that provides a non-dilutive operating capital to whiskey brands and distilleries. The company's loans are secured through hard assets such as aged barrels and raw distillate and given on a multi-year term with interest-only payments to support the brands through growth. The investment will support the bourbon brand's production capabilities and following increased demand since its launch since 2020. I've seen this off hours. It's it's like a L.A.-based, I think, like kind of hip, cool brand. I think I've seen that before. Did you say hippie brand? Hipster brand. Hipster kinda. brand? <laughs> yeah. No, I would say it's more along the line. It's very modern kind of aesthetic is what I would put it. I mean, it's like you have text that cuts cuts off and like all this other kind of stuff almost kind of resembles our bottle a little bit, but it is a, it has a thinner base. I know I've seen it before. What do you think, Brian? Well, when you first said a LA base, I thought you said a late base and I got really excited. <laughs> and you're like, Ooh, I love a eight. I do love LA. That's all I say about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a brand. I don't think I've, it's a brand I don't think I've tried. So, you know, okay. I've never heard of a brand taking, uh, working with somebody who, who does you know, barrels as their collateral. Never heard of that <laughs> one before. Never heard of that one before. Yep. Yeah. But I, I have, we've gotten a bottle of off hours before. I mean, it's just MGP, right? So it's just an MGP blend in a different bottle. So just to let you know if you, if you haven't heard of it before. There you go. The Kentucky Distillers Association has announced that Lawrenceburg Bourbon Company in Anderson County is the newest member of the nonprofit trade group that unites and leads Kentucky's signature bourbon and distilled spirits industry. Lawrenceburg Bourbon Company was founded by veteran Greg Keeley, who said he relies on two things as he and his wife Katie grow their business, and that's their core Navy values and Anderson County's bourbon heritage. Born in Australia, Greg is a retired service-disabled Navy combat veteran who is commissioned in both the U.S. Navy and the Royal Australian Navy, serving in both combat roles in Iraq, Afghanistan, Pacific, and Middle East area operations. Katie is a reserve officer, and he said that Lawrenceburg Bourbon Company is certified by the Department of Veterans Affairs as a combat-disabled veteran-owned small business, the only distillery in the U.S. so accredited. 
located at 1319 Versailles Road in Lawrenceburg. The newly Lawrenceburg Lawrenceburg Bourbon Campus uh, includes a distillery, a tasting room, gift shop, tours, private barrel room, private cask selections, and a bourbon and cocktail barn. That's awesome. They came by and visited us. Great people. I love his accent. And I don't know. <laughs> there you go. He just, you just hear him talking and it cheers you up. <laughs> it's, it's He's a funny guy. And Katie's hilarious too, but it, they were telling us the story. Like she was coming home from a trip somewhere and he just had like Lawrenceburg bourbon t-shirts. And she's like, what the hell is that? He's like, well, we started a bourbon company. <laughs> it was pretty funny. That's the way to do it and to surprise your wife. Be like, here we go. They're, we're dumping all of our investment into this idea. But it's brilliant because, I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's wild turkey and then four roses. But, you know, so it's situated right in between those. So it's a perfect location. So people can hit that up on, you know, leaving or going to either one of those places. So it's a really nice addition. You know, just if you're, you're not wanting you've already done the big six distillery tours, which are awesome. But you want something different. There's another option for you. Absolutely. What do you think, Brian? Great search engine optimization. So, you know, can't complain about that. <laughs> That's right. That, that is true. That is true. But yeah, I mean, they've got some really good whiskey. They're they're pulling from some good Kentucky stocks and putting it over there. So if you are looking for something to do, I, does Wild Turkey, are they still closed for tours right now? Are they open? Oh, it's, I think they are still closed. Yeah. <laughs> they had all those pandemic years to close and redo They still the figured it out. <laughs> but, yeah. they, but they started construction after COVID. <laughs> yeah, they've just been picking up in the retail price of their their bottles, so they'll get there. Yeah, you can get your Wild Turkey 101 signed by Jimmy, right, sit, sitting right there. Sitting on his lap. Every day. <laughs> he's, the, he's the Santa Wild Turkey, you're trying to say? That's right. Now, there's also a federal ban on at-home distilling that most of us probably know about, but this is a holdover from the Prohibition era, and there's a new lawsuit that argues that this violates the U.S. Constitution. The Hobby Distillers Association, which is an organization with over 1,300 members, which is represented by the Competitive Enterprise Institute, filed a federal lawsuit this month against the Alcohol and Tobacco Tra- Tax and Trade Bureau, or otherwise known as the TTB, and the Department of Justice, the DOJ, under the government's ban on at-home distilling. So President Jimmy Carter signed legislation legalizing the practice of home brewing federally back in 1978, though home distilling remained illegal, according to the Smithsonian. The lawsuit argues that the ban does not fall under Congress's authority to regulate interstate commerce, and as it operates locally, or the federal government's taxing power, says that it raises no revenue. So distilling alcohol at home carries, right now, as you probably don't know, carries a consequence up to five years in prison or up to a $10,000 fine per the TTB. Whoa. I mean, I... I'm amazed that there's a hobby distilling association with 1300 people <laughs> yeah. that are like rallying around an illegal activity. It's all their dudes just went to this lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt they get anywhere with this, but I mean, I get what they're saying. Cause you're just doing it at home, but I mean, distilling's, you know, no joke. I mean, there's obviously incorrect in, incorrect making of the alcohol can lead to very serious consequences. And then, also, just like scurrying up and blowing your place up or something, but but you have home brewers. There's home winemakers. Yeah, but brewing's different. I mean, you're not you're you're just like basically mashing and fermenting. You're not really like converting into high octane ho- alcohol. You know, it's it's a little bit more of a, I guess, craft skill. We say we get into the danger zone. Yeah, the danger zone. So, I mean, highway to, but I mean, I guess if you want to 
make some bad hooch at your house and <laughs> this is the way you're, to do it. you're willing to do it by all means. I don't know. This is a, it's a funny one. I mean, there is a reason why all these distilleries have massive column stills and put all this effort into building really big stuff. I don't know if I've tried anything like off a five gallon doubler been like, my God, this is insane. You found it. The secret recipe. <laughs> Whatever this is. <laughs> so I don't know. What do you think, Brian? Do you home distill? Right, in, I don't. Right, right in the garage, right above their canoe that's hanging from there. Right, they, that's where they keep a couple of barrels. Just the perfect aging climate. That's their they condenser found. is the canoe. I'm just imagining <laughs> the, somebody instead of a chimney has a 40 foot column still just sitting in the middle of their house. Yeah, I'm, I would imagine like that serial number via Vendome is registered somewhere. They yeah. they, they got to figure that one out. Let's keep going. <laughs> okay. So federal tobacco regulators are once again wagging their finger at online retailers who are selling vapes that are attracted to younger people. This time, they're shaped like whiskey bottles. So the federal tobacco regulators are giving three online retailers 15 days to stop selling Lucky Vape Daniels branded products, according to three letters that are issued this past Wednesday. The products not only lack pre-market authorization, they also look like bottles of Jack Daniels whiskey, which appeals to underage users of the e-cigarette. And these also have young types of flavors that are uh, pina colada, frozen strawberry daiquiri, frozen margarita, and watermelon martini. Yummy. Out of a Jack Daniels bottle. Yeah. So why not? Sound fantastic to me, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, vape me up, my friend. I never would think. A Jack Daniels bottled vape would I'd be like, oh, I really want that one. I mean, have you all seen the have you seen the the documentary on Jewel? I have the seen big it. Vape. It's really yeah, good. It's a fascinating one. It's, how, it's all about just like marketing and how it goes back to the Joe Camel days. Yeah, it was just a you know a they had this original intent was to create this product to help smokers not use real tobacco and all the benefits from that, and then it just got investment and capital and greed and they went and they created a whole nother whole market that wasn't intentional well it was intentional you mean but, like a, a lifestyle brand right a lifestyle brand and you know all these teen boppers are on tiktok just huffing vapes and whatnot and then go in the hospital and stuff but but then the vapes weren't causing them to go to the hospital it's actually weed pens <laughs> make them go a lot so it's a fascinating documentary but yes yeah, you can't create a Jack Daniels bottle and call it something Daniels. I mean, yeah, you, you need to stop selling this. Yeah, I mean, you should learn those lessons back when Ezra Brooks got sued by Jack Daniels way back in the day because that was the original lawsuit against Jack Daniels. So, yep. If you want to learn more about that, go check out our friend Brian Hara over at Bourbon Justice. He'll teach you all about it. So our last big news story is that Already One Spirits in Lexington has announced plans to build a new location in Fayette County. The complex will be located within Turner Commons, which is a 40-acre mixed-use development that will attract visitors traveling along Kentucky's Bourbon Trail. RD1 Spirits visitor experience will cover 8,500 square feet, over two floors, and it aims to be the world-class bourbon destination in the heart of Lexington. RD1 Spirits received approval on December 20th from the Kentucky Tourism Department and Finance Authority for incentives totaling around $521,000 for the project. Through the Tourism Development Act, qualifying tourism development projects can recover up to 25% of approved development costs for the recovery of sales tax generated by the development. The new location is expected to open in July of 2024 and will create 11 new jobs with when fully operational. Well, they can create a lot more Amberana. Finish it's it a lot of Amberana way. right there, my friend. Don't they only have four SKUs? Yeah, I think so. I think they have like the maple French oak one. They have the Amberana. The Amberana. The... It's your favorite, isn't it? 
hey, it's a really l- low price uh, Ambrana for anyone who wants to take a little dabble. So, yeah, that's Mark Stoops' brand too. I think it is Mark Stoops' brand. Formerly WM Tar. Formerly WM Tar. He's when I say his brand, he's probably an investor. Right. I'd say his brand. It's not. He's not like the the face of it by any means. But well, I've seen him go sign bottles at stores and well, stuff. Absolutely. If we had anybody else that was a face of our brand besides us, we'd be like, get out there and sign bottles. Get out there and do it, man. Brian, get out there and sign bottles. He's join. Let me join the team, and I'll go out there and sign <laughs> bottles. I'll sign babies' heads. I'll do whatever. Can you sign microphones? Yeah. I mean, I I have terrible handwriting, but I'll sign anything. Well, so do we, but we still do it. That's exciting for them. They're an up-and-coming brand doing a lot of good things and very exciting for them to get their own home space and stuff. So. Very true, very true. And you can look forward to an actual podcast with RD1 coming in 2024. So a lot of good things on the horizon there too. Yep. And with that, we'll take a quick commercial break and we'll be back with some bourbon release news. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust or is it... Uh, a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Hello, friends. It's the last bourbon release news of the year. And of course, it's it should be very low, which it is, because this is it. There's, there's nothing else. Like, you should have been doing it two months ago. So here we go. Chattanooga Whiskey has announced the newest release in their award-winning experimental single-batch series, Batch 35, the Centenary Cask. It's an annual release in the experimental single-batch series. The Centenary Cask is an evolving blend of experimental pot-stilled mash bills married and finished in rare 100-year-old Oloroso Sherry Punctions. Refilled in Solera style, each each annual 100-gallon batch is uniquely different from the last while containing traces of whiskey from previous fills. Batch 35 is the third release. You, they tried to put in Roman numerals, and I was looking. I was like, XXXV is like, give me a break. But it's, all right, Batch 35 is the third release using the Centenary cask, which is first filled in 2021. This year's release sees the addition of two unique barrels chosen for exhibiting, for exhibiting characteristics that would enhance the flavors derived from the Centenary cask itself, including Chattanooga Whiskey Signature Barrel 91 recipe and a singular recipe made with a wide variety of malted barley and rye. After these hand-selected barrels were married for over a year in the antique cask, 100 gallons were removed for bottling before new barrels were selected to top off one of the Solera-style barrels once more. Dynamic and ever-changing, the centenary cask is the perfect New Year whiskey tradition, so batch 35 is available at the Chattanooga Whiskey Experimental Distillery for $70 for a 750 ml and available online for shipping to select states on sealbox.com. That's also bottled at 100 proof. Sounds tasty. I like Chattanooga. Always. Do you like Centenary? I like 
centenary, I guess. <laughs> but after having our own place and understand why people do Solera, because it's really hard to get everything out of the bottom of the tank. <laughs> so you're like, ah, just yeah, leave a little bit in. <laughs> and so it's a Solera. It blends. <laughs> it why blends. not? Yeah. Just a little, little bit of little junk at the bottom. Never hurts, right? No. Adds character. Yeah, sure does. What do you think, Brian? At first, I thought it was Sentry, and I'm like, I don't really know where they're going with a Sentry, you know, like some old age in a castle or something like that. But, but yes, yeah. it is Sentry. Centenary is essentially, it's just a hundred-year-old Oloroso Sherry cat. Right, but I, I I thought it was Sentry, not not a not a like, Sentry, like a Sentry. You're going to make it like a like a fictitious animal out exactly. of it. Like it's a centenary. Exactly. Yeah. You know, sounds like. I'm going to roll D&D my thing. dice and all of a sudden I get a seven. I'm going to get your centenary. That said, you know, also huge fan of Chattanooga. And I think their experimental stuff is super fun. You know, they do a lot of really interesting things uh, from the liqueurs and all that. So here for it. There we go. Totally. And so our last one is Very Old St. Nick, and they are presenting their newest addition to the renowned collection of esteemed bourbon and whiskeys. This is Very Old St. Nick Winter Maple, a deliciously finished bourbon and rye blend. Carefully selected from Kentucky bourbon and rye whiskeys between four and seven years old. It's finished with maple and French oak and has, it's 102 proof, but I don't have an SRP on it. Well, they've been putting out some really good releases here in 2023. So finish the year off with a bang. There we go. And they got the last release of the year. One more to, to put it out there. So, yep. All right. And then the last one, I just kind of want to leave it open and just to kind of look back. Some of our big accomplishments for, for 2023, you know, for, for us, I think this has been, for the podcast, it's it's kind of been pretty even keel, I guess you could say. I mean, the podcast has been a very, I always say it all the time, it's a very well old machine. We've got a lot of guests that are always beating down our door to come on. We have a good routine. We put out way more content than we ever should in regards of three episodes every single week, you know, but I think a lot of the growth that we've had has also been on our product side and our brand side. I think that's the one that's been the the big one. I mean, over the past year, we have gone from uh, having an idea to moving into our own distillery to having barrels on site to dealing with city and state and local officials to dealing with TTB to also doing reports and then also looking forward to 2024 and having our own place on Whiskey Row. I mean, this is like a, it's a huge development for our little, our little selves that just in one year that has, has come around. Yeah. I feel like we're reinventing ourselves every day, <laughs> just learning and growing and understanding this business is crazy. How hard and difficult it can be just to like deal with the government regulatory side but also just getting out in market working with distributors retailers you know all that we grew a ton learning just the whole industry as a whole and not just we were really product focused at first and now which we still focus on products but now we're really focused on understanding the whole side of this industry and we we grew a lot it was not easy good lord this year stressed me out and lost a lot of sleep and learned a ton but it was a great year for us i mean we had you know a double gold at san francisco for bourbon we're up for best in class top five bourbons in san francisco we had double gold with rye we had you know our rye, our our sherry finished rye was the top five of 50 rise on up rocks our oak collection bourbon was 75th our it's also smoothest bourbon of the year. Was the smoothest bourbon of the year, and then our rye HCD got forty eighth, and Fred Minnick's top one hundred. So 
we're putting good products out there. It's just understanding all the marketing and how to tell your story to where people can understand and relate to it. And you're not just another bottle on the shelf. So it's definitely a learning and growing year for us and putting all the Moonshine University stuff to the test. So it's excited to keep it going, keep this idea going. We're always two weeks from being broke, but we're still we're still going. We're still going. We're still going. <laughs> and then on Brian, on your side, it's like, you know, the behind the pursuit has grown in listenership. I I, I looked at it and I think there was over 50 percent growth compared to last year. Right. I mean, that's huge. I mean, Bourbon Pursuit pretty much stayed flat or if not a little bit down. And I think that just comes from the pandemic years when nobody had anything really going on. So they listened to bourbon podcast or whatever was going on. And then now everybody kind of gets back to the normal routine. And of course we retained some people, we lost some people, but through a portion of that, you know, we did a lot of advertising to say, if you want to learn like all the other stuff that we're doing, you need to go listen to behind the pursuit. And we talk about everything that we're doing and, and it's really proven valuable because a lot of people listen to it and they come here and they're like, that is probably one of my favorite podcasts is because you guys are so real about everything that happens and it's not just sunshine kittens and rainbows yeah i think it was good getting some time you know we've been running that podcast for two years now and it was good to start to see where people who could join can see where things have come from you know what i mean and and either decisions that you all have made or the the progress you know one of my favorite things to go back to is talking to you about how you have the barrels on a spreadsheet and be like hey where's the room for variance and you're like no, that's that's not, <laughs> it's not, it's that's not a thing that we're doing here. You mm-hmm. know, it is going according to the spreadsheet and then seeing where we have to, you know, look outside the box a little bit. And again, from not having the distillery to having the distillery, you have these conversations that took place before these things happen. You have the conversations through those things happening and then you have them on the other side of it. And so I think it's been really cool just to see people who have been listening to that have been able to see the development of the brand. You know, I think that's one of the best things, whether or not, you know, all the episodes are, are all exciting. Again, you see the development of these things happening in, in, in real time. It's really interesting. Well, let's not take away from your personal life, too. I mean, you you made a huge transition this year going in full time into whiskey and being a part of Sealbox. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really interesting. You know, there's a lot to navigate, a lot to figure out, as you all have you know known from either being a part of it or the people you've had on the show over the past years, but it's been good, you know, honestly, kind of just taking us an interesting kind of thought about it. It's been figuring out how I want to work in a spirits industry when, you know, drinking is just so it can just get real crazy. Right. I think that was one of the biggest hurdles I had to kind of just face as myself kind of come into it. And I'm, I've been pretty pleased with being able to find a good balance of being able to taste what I need to taste and, and understand what I need to understand, but not overdoing it. I think that's something people don't necessarily talk all the all, all that much about, but something I tried to be really cognizant about moving into this industry, knowing that's something I had to do for work. Yeah. I love yeah. it. And congratulations to you. I mean, this has been a, like I said, it's been a big year for, I think for all of us, but I mean, for you in particular, being able to find your way, I mean, gosh, it was what last year it was in 2022 when you had, had you on the podcast mm-hmm. talking about just coffee. That's right. Right. And then here we are a year later and you've got an office right across the hall from us and you're doing a lot of stuff with Blake over in Sealbox. So it's just to see your growth. And, and now we got a espresso machine downstairs too. Yeah. So yep. to all... teach the guys how to pour more milk doodles and, you know, we love milk doodles. So what's one thing you learned about being on the retail side that you didn't know being a whiskey fan? going from a whiskey fan to now a, on the business side of things. Oh man, that's tricky. I think I ran into the same thing when I made a transition into coffee. So, you know, 
prior to to working for one specific roastery, you know, I, I tried and I was independent, right? And you could try everything. There's no biases, you know. I and I think it's hard once you start working with a brand, people automatically like, well, there's got to be a bias there. And I think it's hard because, uh, and so it's not exactly the the you know answering the question you're asking, but it's trying to find this right balance between autonomy, still being able to try lots of things, having access to a lot of things, which is valuable, I think, to know what a lot of brands are doing, whether they're sent to you or whether you've purchased them, it doesn't matter. What matters is that, you know, there's tons of products being released, gives you more information about what's happening in the industry as a whole. And so I think it's been really interesting to watch trends from the retail side, from the background side to see, hey, brands are doing, there's still pockets of brands I haven't had a chance to try, I'd really like to, I don't have access to, and I'm not gonna run out and buy them necessarily. But you're able just to start, it, it makes the, the episodes that you all do where you do your predictions for the year, when you have all these knowledge of things that are happening as a whole in the industry, it's interesting to see what those predictions are, whether they come to fruition and, and being able to see the movements that's happening in the industry, aside from just being an outsider. I think that's one thing I've been able to, to start being a part of. And it's been really interesting just to get up a, a bigger picture of everything that's happening in the industry. Yeah. You're not always waiting in line chasing bottles. Now you're one of those people who are just <laughs> like, hey, listen, like it'll it'll nope. come when it comes. No, I, I mean, t so, you know, I, I still, I think it's been great to find more everyday products that I do really, really enjoy, but I still like the flavor profile that usually comes with old age whiskey, which generally are now reserved for allocated things. So I still... You know, if, if I want a King Kentucky, I still got to go out and figure out how to get a King in Kentucky if I want. We all you know, do. And so, yeah. you know, I, I still have to hit the pavement at times, too. I think there's I think regardless of it working in the industry, which having kids has made it trickier. But I still do that. And I think one thing I still want to try and preserve. I've talked to other people in the industry and they're like, no, this is work now. So I do it during work. But when I'm off work. I don't whiskey, like whiskey's not a thing I do anymore. And I still love it. I still enjoy it. And so I'm just thankful that, it, you know, at least still now, that's not a part of that story. I still enjoy it at home. I still want to chase after things that I really like to drink. And it's not just work for work's sake. So maybe that's just a little too early year idealistic and eventually like it's gonna break you kid still don't worry honeymoon phase there's still time <laughs> yeah, 2024 he's like i'm a gin person i now. hate whiskey i'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. yeah if i get me some mezcal totally hook me in yeah no like i said it was just one of those things that i really want to take a moment just to kind of reflect back on on this past year because it was a, it was a big year for growth just for us on i mean like i said the podcast has been pretty well old machine has been it's been going really well but and we had another the, successful palooza that was oh awesome. my gosh i totally forgot about oh, that awesome. thank you gosh yeah it's that's one of those things it's like so 2021 or should i say 2022 was our first palooza and it was great 23 we blew it out of the water i don't even know how we would even compare to 2024 where by the way if you're just now listening to this 20 Pursuit Palooza is an opportunity we give to our patrons, and it's only limited to about 100 to 106 people. And we take them on a huge behind-the-scenes experience of anything that we get access to, something that you can't do literally anywhere else. And I don't know. I have no idea if we'll be able to top it in 24. We'll have to see what We'll happens. try. I think we can. You think so? Yeah. You got ideas? I won't share them. Sit in, <laughs> sit in the court case with Marianne Eves. And oh, there like, oh, yeah, there you go. You know, sit, you know, like hold signs and be like, not today. <laughs> Court TV. There we go. All right. But like, like I said, this was, it was a, just an opportunity to kind of look back at this past year and figure out, you know, what's gone right. And I think that a lot of things have, and we've, we've definitely grown 
personally and professionally. And there's a lot more things to come in 2024 as well. So make sure you stick around for the next Bourbon Community Roundtable. We actually will give our predictions for 2024 and then probably on another Behind the Pursuit coming up, we'll kind of talk about what do we have in store for 2024, of like our, our goals and everything else that we have set forward to there too. But with that, cheers, everybody. Happy New Year. And we'll see you next time. Toodles. Adios. Adios.